Rocket Lab is the first private company that can launch rockets into space from its own private launch pad. The founder of this company is Peter Beck. To shortly notice him, he has left home at 17 to become a toolmaking apprentice at Fisher & Paykel. While working there, he used the company workshop to experiment with rockets. He never attended university. He later worked at industrial research. He worked on smart materials, composites, and superconductors. While working there, he met Stephen Tindall, who later invested in Rocket Lab. Rocket Lab was the second private company to launch a rocket into orbit after SpaceX. They launched from New Zealand on January 21, 2018, and the first to officially launch from its own private launcher. Which is pretty exciting, thinking they were the first company to accomplish this formidable space event. The launchpad of Rocket Lab was established in New Zealand and is also there today. This place is on the east coast and it also has special advantages. Some of these advantages are there is less sea and air traffic in this part of the world. By that means, they can launch frequently and without most of the disadvantages that occur when you launch from a place that has an air traffic problem. These rockets are prepared in a guard size hangar with a small number of people, then pushed to the ramp in the backyard. It amazes us that a company this small and new can achieve something this challenging. This circumstance brings us back to SpaceX early years since they started very small like Rocket Lab. On December 6, 2019, they made their 10th launch and placed exactly 7 satellites in orbit. The name of their launch was running out of fingers. It recalls the joyfulness that Elon Musk has with his own company. They also have other really funny and interesting launch names that entertain people. For example, the first launch was named It's a Test. And the second one was Seal Testing. And the one after that was called It's Business Time, which is really creative and catchy. This company has a very interesting and even crazy plan to go to space and catch Booster back in a new launch early next year. They are thinking of catching this booster in the air with a helicopter. To get into a little detail, shortly after launching the electron rocket, helicopters will take off from a ship in the ocean. When the first stage of launch takes place, the booster will leave the main body and enter the atmosphere under the effect of gravity. The electron booster will try to slow down with a parachute instead of SpaceX method. After the parachute cuts the speed and the booster slows down, it will be cocked in the air by the helicopter. It seems like we will have a lot of fun and excitement while watching these stunning images if they will be able to accomplish this amazing project in the following year. Talking about the Rocket Lab company, we can say that as they grow, they get smaller. And we mean that in a great way. As a company, they need to string along with what the world requires, needs. Today, what we need is to go smaller, which we can easily understand by the size of our computers that have decreased a lot in the last couple of years. With this simple comparison, it is obvious that going smaller is the biggest advantage for a company at the moment. SpaceX's Falcon 9 rockets were designed to carry heavy weights and each time they can carry up to 5,000 to 10,000 kilograms. Compared to a normal satellite, it has the capability of 1,000 times kilograms more. On the other hand, the electron rockets that Rocket Lab has designed 
to carry at most 150 kilograms. So it is able to only transport one satellite to space each time. Comparing them by size, if you think of the Falcon 9 rocket as a truck, the Electron rockets by Rocket Lab could be imagined as a car. The reasoning behind Rocket Lab's small rockets are because of the fact that there are a lot of small satellites, about 1 to 1.5 kilograms at the size of a handbag, which needs to go up to space. To sum up their goals, they want to move the little satellites with much less effort while using much little rockets, which makes the process way shorter. Another, the economical purpose of these electron rockets designed by the Rocket Lab is to be able to send small packets in space faster than more frequently. While the launch of a normal rocket was around $15 million, electron rockets dropped the rocket's launch at about $5 million. So they are able to save up to $45 million per launch. Another cool information about rockets are that since 2019, you can order sending a satellite to space with rocket companies. If you check out Rocket Lab's website today, you will be able to see this feature. Being able to see these amazing accomplishments by new companies today is a marvelous experience. We are looking forward to seeing all these new events that will hopefully pattern other promising companies just like SpaceX is part of Rocket Lab. Animal of the Mount the Roadrunner. Did you know that there is a Lonely Tunes character called Roadrunner? The Roadrunner, also known as Chaparral Birds or Chaparral Cooks, are two species of fast-running ground cuckoos with long tails and crests. They are found in the southwestern and south-central United States and Mexico, usually in the deserts. Some have been clocked at 32 km per hour, while a few have also been clocked up to 43 km per hour. The general range in size from 56 to 61 cm from tail to beak. The Roadrunner is a large, slender black, brown and white streaked ground bird with a distinctive head crest. It has long legs, strong feet and oversized dark bill. It has a slow and distinctive doll-like coo. It also makes a repeat vocalized clattering sound with its beak. Its diet consists of insects such as grasshoppers, crickets, caterpillars and beetles. Small reptiles such as lizards, colored lizards and snakes, including ratless snakes. Small birds and lustings, eggs and fruits and seeds like those from pricky pear cactuses and sumacs. It forays on the ground and when hunting usually runs after prey from undercover. It may leap to catch insects and commonly better certain prey against the ground. The roadrunner usually lives alone or in pairs. Breeding pairs and monogamous and mate for life and pairs may hold a territory all year. The reproductive season is spring to midsummer. In Cherie of the Month, theme 5993, all about is Acrobatic Society. Bringing such a great award to our team, school and country from the place that we have been to represent our country have made us so proud and pleasant. What did you do after kickoff? After everyone was given their role, we started 3D modeling our robot in SOLIDWORKS. Meanwhile, our pit team was busy designing the pit area. Everyone had their own brilliant design ideas. After a quick vote, the best design was chosen. 
Shortly after Pitaria was complete, started the preparation for chairman and judge presentations. When the 3D model was finally completed, we started arguably the most fun part of the process, which is building the actual robot, and then we tested our robot before the original. In this process, the most important thing is the meetings, which is in our team. Due to these meetings and preparation, we were ready for the original after kickoff. How do you keep in touch with other teams? In fact, the biggest secret of maintaining active communication with other teams is to be keep in touch with them and never stop communicating. Especially nowadays, considering the importance of social media, media activity is crucial for communication with other teams. We always keep our activity high with messages, sharing photos and the challenges we participate in via Instagram and similar applications. In addition to these, we organize team meetings, workshops and trainings to meet and get to know other teams more closely, but this year we have these meetings online due to the pandemic. We have online Zoom meetings with multiple teams, including teams abroad. We have been the guests of the broadcast and we continue to do so. Briefly, we don't miss an opportunity to interact with other teams and use the social media effectively. How did you feel when you won the Engineering Inspiration Award? Bringing such a great award to our team, school and country from the place that we have been to represent our country, Minnesota North Star Regional, have made us so proud and pleasant. To won an award that we have been aiming and putting forth for years and years to achieve was very exciting and honoring. We multiplied these beautiful feelings by sharing with our alumni, mentors and friends. Ultimately, it has become an unforgettable memory for all of us. As a team IRS5993, to be worth giving to this award, taking our mission and vision a step further by increasing our successes is one of our greatest objectives. This award, which we have put a great effort to deserve by realizing its importance since our team's establishment, has also been the first championship award we have won. How did you manage this pandemic period? The pandemic process is a very difficult situation for everyone because we are far from each other and we cannot return to this season. We aim to finish this process with the least damage and to continue without interrupting our communication within our team. In line with this goal, we have been holding meetings continuously since March. In these meetings, we completed our shortcomings, talked about new season, and constantly refreshed our knowledge to start the new season dynamically. We also actively use social media, and we spend this process with the challenges and broadcasts we participate in. Besides, we have been chatting with other teams and shared our mutual experiences. Apart from the meetings we held as a team, we also chatted with our team via Zoom, Google Meet, and watched matches of this season together. Our chats are still ongoing. We wish this process ends as soon as possible and we continue all our preparations at full speed. What were your preparation for the Chairman's Award? We made our Chairman presentation with two people in last season. The first step of our preparations for this presentation was to evaluate the past years with our alumni. The reason for this was to go over all kinds of activities and experiences which was happened in the previous years. Then we reviewed the projects that we carried out during the season, evaluate the aims of the events, which was organized and will be organized. What we did and what we think to do in general, what is our main purpose? We questioned and interpreted it. 
We updated and edited our documents, found answers to the chairman's specified questions. We put these projects in order in our essay by rewriting our answers. We prepared and filled our photos and everything related to present to the jury. We aim to minimize our mistakes by practicing our presentation within the team. In our opinion, the most important point in, in this process was not to memorize the chairman presentation. Instead, we believed that presenting in a logical order could exp express us better. Finally, considering the time management, we appeared before the jury with our cleanest presentation. First review. Some important things about first. They represent first in Turkey, Fikret Yüksel Foundation. Fikret Yüksel Foundation was established in 1998 by Fikret Yüksel. Fikret Yüksel, a graduate of Darüşşafaka, an institution aimed at educating children whose financial opportunities are limited and who have lost at least one of their parents, continued his educational life first at Istanbul Technical University, then at MIT and Harvard. He studied and worked in the fields of civil engineering, structural engineering, and mining engineering. In the later years of his life, he retired from engineering and entered the residential renovation and trading business with his daughter, Susan Burchard. Together, they founded and grew Yuxet Inc., which owned and operated residences in and around Seattle. After Yuxel's death, he bequeathed that the company wanted to establish a foundation that supported Turkish students, primarily Darüşşafaka students. Today, the foundation is headed by Susan Burchard and her husband Gary Burchard. Alex Burchard, the son of Suzanne Hanım and Aisha Selçuk, one of the first beneficiaries of the foundation, are also among the foundation's employees. Vision The main focus of the Fikretiksel Foundation is to improve the education that Turkish students receive by enabling them to participate in the first robotics competition. As its first slogan, more than robots, and quote, is one of the main goals in the foundation, both in engineering, planning, and working as a team, as well as in the social sphere, we are largely supportive of young people to reach the most advanced level they can come to. At the same time, the foundation has helped many teams participate in first tournaments and adopt the first spirit by this time. The foundation's mission is to spread the first robotic competition to as many students as possible in Turkey. It aims to improve itself in all areas by working with teams so that students can participate in the competition. In this way, they allow them to learn some of the skills necessary for competition in education. 21st centuries and later, they adopt the principle of both helping and preparing Turkish youth in the most areas. In addition to its main goal, the foundation also acts with care for the future of young people in line with those who support them. The list of activities they do on this topic continues to grow every day. All About Space Possible sign of life spotted in Venus. An international team of astronomers announced the discovery of a rare molecule, phosphin, in the clouds of Venus. On Earth, phosphine is created by life in anaerobic or oxygen free environments. One possibility for the phosphine found in Venus's atmosphere is that life in the upper atmosphere may be creating it. But scientists involved with the discovery said there was no definite proof yet of life there. They added, though, 
they had not found an alternative mechanism for creating the phosphine they detected. When we got the first hints of phosphine in Venus spectrum, it was a shock, says team leader Jane Graves of Cardiff University in the UK, who first spotted signs of phosphine in observation from the James Clark Maxfield Telescope, JCMT, operated by the East Asian Observatory in Hawaii. I immediately freaked out, of course. I presume it was a mistake, but I very much wanted it not to be a mistake, says study co-author Clara Souza Silva, a postdoctoral researcher at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, who initially identified phosphine as a potential biosignature. Put simply, phosphine shouldn't be in the Venetian atmosphere. It's extremely hard to make, and the chemistry in the clouds should destroy the molecule before it can accumulate to the observed amounts. But it's too early to conclude that life exists beyond the Earth's shores. Scientists caution that the detection itself needs to be verified, as the phosphine fingerprint described in the study could be a false signal introduced by the telescopes or by data processing. The idea there may be life in the clouds of Venus is not new. While the planet is known for its hot, dense atmosphere that contains sulfuric acid, conditions are more hospitable in the upper atmosphere, where temperatures and pressures are lower. Scientists, including the late Carl Sagan, have speculated for decades that life could exist in those upper atmospheric regions, but lacked of strong evidence for it. The phosphine detection could change that. We are not claiming that we have found life on Venus, said Sarah Seeger of MIT, also part of the discovery team. But, she added, on Earth, phosphine is only associated with life. To determine if that phosphine is produced by life or instead by some other chemical process, scientists called for observations, including by spacecraft mission. We would like to see really any kind of mission go back to Venus something that's capable of measuring gases in the atmosphere, Seeger said. Such mission could also include mass spectrometers to identify more complex molecules linked to life. We have a long list of things we would like. Metin Sitte. He is the director of the Physical Intelligence Department of the Max Planck Institute for Intelligence Systems in Stuttgart and an adjunct professor of Koch University School of Medicine. He conducted the Micromechanical Flying Insect Project. He's interested in micro-nanorobotics, nanomanufacturing, MAMS, NAMS, biomimetic micro-nanosystems, directed self-assembly, bio-nanotechnology, haptic interfaces and telerobotics. Metin Sitte is currently working on the development of robots using a sticky elastic polymer capable of adhering to a variety of surfaces, inspired by the hairs which allow geckos to stick to walls. He also designed a tiny robot that, mimicking a water strider insect, can walk on the water by utilizing the water's surface tension. Richard Stellman He is often known by his initials RMC. RMC is an American free software movement activist and programmer. Stelman launched the GNU project, founded the Free Software Foundation, developed the GNU Compiler Collection and GNU Emacs, and wrote the GNU General Public License. In 1989, he co-founded the League for Programming Freedom. Stelman has spent most of his time advocating for free software as well as campaigning against software patents, 
digital rights management and other legal and technical systems, which he sees as taking away users' freedoms.